uh, I've been really kind of like uh, feeling just like this weightiness and this heaviness uh, recently. And so I've been, God has been kind of leading me to, um, I think Mina mentioned it in one of the prayer meetings about Ephesians 6. And so uh, I was reading Ephesians 6 and I just really felt led to kind of uh, preach out of Ephesians 6 for today. And so Ephesians 6, if you guys don't know, if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Ephesians 6. And it's going to be verse 13 through 20. Uh, Ephesians 6, 13 to 20. Well, actually, uh, it's 10 uh, verses. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. 10 through 20. Uh, and I'll, I'll start reading it for you guys. Um, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil... For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints, and also for me, this is Paul talking, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may be may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Um, so I mentioned earlier that uh, I, I, I've been feeling kind of this weightiness, this heaviness, you know, that I have... Uh, see times where I just feel a little uh, anxious at times and you know anxiety kind of takes over um, and you know it kind of started with this whole thing of, of um, it, it, it kind of started with ho- this whole thing of me trying to get a visa for America uh, but it but I think it's just for me for pushing uh, into this year uh, this year uh, for me I feel like God has been speaking to me that it's going to be a year of, of breakthrough but also a year of, of faith and tested faith this year and so, um, you know, as I was kind of praying and I, I've been kind of uh, uh, hearing from the Lord, He's been reminding me more and more that spiritual warfare is real, right? Uh, and Ephesians 6, we just read about it, that, that, that spiritual warfare is real, right? Um, that there is Satan and all of his minions out there that's going against the kingdom of God, right? And we have to understand that, you know, like one of the things that we've been awakened to when we become Christians are is the spiritual realm. We have to know that there is the natural realm, right? And this is like what we see now, like my body, my clothes, you know, like you know, food that we eat, and 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 you know, going places here in the natural world. This is the natural realm, but we are also connected to the spiritual realm, right? And there, and we have to realize that the spiritual realm is real, and at times. For us believers, the spiritual realm is more real than what we see in the natural realm. Right? You know, a lot of times what's happening in the natural has to do with what's, what's happening in the spiritual. 
And what's happening in the spiritual reflects what's happening in the natural realm. Right? Like a lot of us, we, we see, you know, with COVID and all of the things that's happening here in Korea. And I know uh, many of us, uh, of us we, we've taken certain stand um, and, and we feel like the injustice. Well, that, 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 like what we're experiencing in the natural, right? There's a spiritual aspect that's rooted in what's happening, right? It's this, this spiritual realm. I, I believe Mina talks about it all the time. It's this, this spirit of fear, right? There's this spirit of fear that's kind of helping to run this country and, and it's, it's, it's manifesting in the law and the legislation. They're using fear tactics to kind of, to, to get people to do certain things and, 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 and so we have to realize this, that there's a natural realm and there's a spiritual realm and we have to be focused on both, right? We have to realize what's happening also in the spiritual realm. Now, this doesn't mean that we need to be afraid of the devil and the, 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 the minions and all of those things, right? I'm not talking about minions like the little yellow guys. I'm talking about the, the demons, the principalities, the powers uh, that's uh, talked about in Ephesians 6 that are uh, that are at work going against the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that we need to be afraid, right? The devil is defeated. The kingdom of Satan, this world, is ultimately at the at the bottom of the, the foot of Christ, but it shouldn't mean that we underestimate and ignore what's happening in the spiritual realm, right? of the attacks that may be coming. We don't we can't ignore and we can't be blindsided by by the works of the enemy because he will do whatever it takes to make us stumble and falter and, and, and get knocked off of the path that God has us in. Now we we have to remember that the devil is a liar. The number one weapon that the devil uses to get at us is the liar is a liar, right? He's a liar. The Bible says that he's the father of lies, right? Everything that he has done stems from lies. And even the truth, he takes the truth and he twists it into his own like diabolical thing and then he gives it to us right, as truth. But it, we're woven in there are the lies of the enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10.10, 10, right? Like, like, the, like you know, the, 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 the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come so that, you know, you may have life and have it abundantly. And so the devil has tactics, he has schemes. And Paul talks about it, that, that these schemes are coming against the people of God. He'll tempt us uh, with temptations, right? You know, he'll come at, at, at us with temptations, he'll try to delay our obedience to God. You know, he'll like get in, he'll use our pride, he'll use the little, the issues within our hearts, Right, the things that we that you know we feel sometimes, and basically it's the flesh, right, our fleshly nature, um, to to cause us to delay our obedience or not obey the Lord, put doubt into our minds about God and His His Word and His goodness. You know, you may not have been struggling with something for a long time, and all of a sudden the devil will come and just like you know just use certain things, and also we we find ourselves struggling with certain things that we haven't struggled with for years. He'll use his lies to discourage us, make God look like a punisher, make like, like he's, he doesn't like us, that he, he hates us, that he's mad at us, make us feel hopeless and give up. And, and one of the things that he does is he tries to trivialize sin, right? The, 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 the enemy will come and try to trivialize sin and make it seem like, like we have all the grace and he'll tempt us with sin and say, hey, you can just land on grace. That's, that's, that's such a, like a, 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 like a warped understanding of how the Satan works, right? Satan works in this way. He takes truth, which is the grace of God, 
And he mixes it into his own way and says, hey, you can do whatever you want and you can just like, you know, live in this way because there's grace. And people, you see this as their, you know, like mind frame of their understanding of grace and they walk down a path of sin and that ultimately leads to their demise. You know, the devil will lie to us about everything. We'll try to puff us up with our pride, make us unforgiving, make us harsh, make us critical. Right, and and he does, you know, like this by with the lies that he speaks over us, right? And his goal is to deceive us, to, de- to is deception. And Paul tells us, therefore, because of this, stand firm. And he tells us to put on the full armor of God, because we have an enemy that is diabolical, and because we can, you know, sometimes fall into our fleshly nature. You know, when we were saved, our fleshly nature didn't like magically just disappear, right? When you became a Christian, your sinful nature didn't just like magically disappear. You, it's, you're not like a robot where it's impossible for you to not sin, right? That the sinful nature is there and God uses sanctification to like kind of, kind of, you know, like transform us. But, but the best of us at times fall into our fleshly nature, right? And so Paul's telling us here, the Apostle Paul is to put on the full armor of God that is made available for us through Christ Jesus. And, you know, and, and, and he's saying, you know, like, we have these weapons and we have these means that God gives us and we need to rely on these, uh, to fight our battles. But a lot of times, right, the enemy will come and he'll give us the, the, the weapons of the world, the weapons of the flesh, the weapons of the, the, the enemy. To try to try to tempt us to use them um, to to you know get to get our means or to get get ahead in life. Um, there are lots of weapons of the flesh that the enemy tempts us with. Right? You guys might think, oh, I know about the weapons of you know the the spirit, but what are the weapons of the flesh? What are the weapons of the enemy? Right? And they're all around us, and we experience them all the time. We just we just because it's the lies of the enemy, we don't really truly. You know, unless we're really aware and alert, as Peter talks in First Peter, he's like, "Be alert, right? Unless un- unless we're completely alert and uh, we're able to um, uh, discern what's happening, a lot of times these things kind of go over our heads and we just get controlled by them." A great example of the weapon of the flesh is manipulation, right? right? Manipulation, right? It's fleshly, and it's from the devil, right? Um, one of the things that we try to teach our kids all the time is to not manipulate each other, right? Because there is no redeemable aspect to manipulation. Meaning there isn't a version of manipulation that God uses, right? You know, like anger, we think anger is a sin, and anger can be a sin, but at the same time, there is an aspect of anger that was first initiated and created and, and that's, that is a part of God, right? God's wrath, right? That's, it's kind of like his anger and it's a justifiable aspect of anger, right? It just, we just kind of twist it into our own, you know, like evil and negative sinful ways that anger be, can become bad. But there is a redeemable aspect to anger, right? But there is no redeemable aspect to manipulation. There is no like form of manipulation that God uses. God never is never going to be like, oh, you know, like, you know, I'm I'm going to manipulate Mina into obeying me. Right? God will never do that. He gives us free will. He leads us and guides us, uh, his people, and brings his influence. But he'll never manipulate us. Right? And so that's an aspect of 
of, 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 a, of a weapon of the enemy, a weapon of the flesh, right? And a lot of people, not knowing that this is a temptation that the enemy gives us, we use manipulation to get things in our life. There's a lot of Christians that use manipulation. There's a lot, I've known many like, like, Elders, you know, I grew up in the church, so I would see these, like, you know, Changno names, or which are, you know, male elders, and Kwanza names, which are female elders that my mom would go to church with, and then I, and I would kind of hear the stories, and I would be like, oh man, this, they're like so manipulative, right? You know, and, and then it's just that people don't understand that, it, like, this is just a way that the enemy tries to tempt us, and the enemy tries to get into our, our, our are nitty gritty and get us to try to control people, control the situation using, um, you know, illegitimate means. Another, another, uh, a, a, a tool or, or the, a weapon of the enemy is intimidation, right? Right? Intimidation. There is no redeemable aspect of re- intimidation, right? God has power. God has his glory and his you know, his majestic majesty, but he's never gonna intimidate us, right? He's never gonna try to come and be like, hey, get a leg, you know, like you know, like just to force me and, and 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 intimidate me or dominate me into into doing what he wants us to do, right? If you ever get into a conflict and you want to intimidate someone into fearing you and relenting to you, you're in the flesh. You're using the schemes of the devil that he's trying to get you into using and ultimately, uh, you know, it's not going to lead to good things. Right? Intimidation will never lead you to like, to, to, God's never going to be like, hey, Melvin, I want you to go to your coworker and intimidate him into believing in me, right? God will never do that, right? Because that's not, it's, it's from the devil, right? There is no redeemable aspect of intimidation, right? And then, and, then, and like, you know, as parents, we, we, this happens a lot to us, right? We're, we're trying to get control of our kids, and then they like, you no, know, I'm like, can you do this? They're like, why? And we're like, oh, like, you know, you know, just do it. And it's like, why? You know, and then all of a sudden you get angry, and you're like, just do it. And I, 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 and I, I'll, I'll yell, and I'll be like, hey, come on, like, just do it. Blah, blah, blah. And then, and then like, they look at me with fear, and I'm really like, oh, this is, in, this is intimidation. God never intended for me, right? I have to repent. Lord, I'm sorry, right? God never intended for me to intimidate my kids into teaching them the, the ways of the Lord and the teaching them things in, in, in life. And so, we have to understand, these are, these are the schemes of the enemy. These are the schemes of the devil that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. These are the tools that the enemy tries to, to kind of slip into our arsenal and say, hey, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, like you can use this, right? I know that your coworker is, you know, being a, a jerk, or your, your your boss is being a jerk, and and you know like you, they're not relenting. How about you just try some manipulation, right? Just just try it, right? Uh, the devil will tell you, and then you 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 feel all fleshly because you know your boss wasn't you know being nicer, your coworker wasn't being nice to you, and so all of a sudden you had that temptation, and so now you want to kind of intimidate them or or manipulate them to do what you want to do. You know, there's times where I see manipulation in Ethan, right? And I try to catch it right away. And it's like, not like, it's not like, like, evil. Or, or it's not like very like, like, you know, it's not even that bad. But I can tell he's trying to control Ezra to doing what he wants to do. Right? In a way where he's, you know, he's manipulating him. Right? He's not like saying straight up like, hey, Ethan, Ezra, let's do this. But he'll do it in a way where he wants, he wants to get what he wants out of the situation. 
That, that's the devil's wheelhouse. He loves these weapons. He loves these tools because we're very unaware when they are, when we're using them and we're also very unaware when it's being used against us. And this is just a tangent, but when manipulation is used against us, the first, the way that we react naturally is fear. Alright. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a, um, a quick lesson in spiritual warfare, right? If you're at your workplace and somebody says something and all of a sudden you feel like fear out of nowhere, or you feel like anxiety out of nowhere, most likely somebody is trying to use manipulation or intimidation or domination, one of those things, to try to get you to like do what you want, right? And that, that's spiritual warfare right there, right? When you feel that anxiety, right, you're gonna be like, oh, right? And then you, you gotta be aware, like, hey, this, this is, like, I feel like this is a scheme of the devil trying to get, and so now you have to start to warfare. You have to start to pray. You have to start to break things off of yourself. You have to like, oh Lord, I shift into the spirit of God and, and, and I confront things and I, I challenge things in the spirit, right, to go against what's happening, right? Like, Mina had, had this workplace where she would come home and she would like cry because, like, like her workplace was just so terrible. It was just one person. This, this, this co-teacher, right? She was just like, she, she would tell me stories and I'd be like, dude, this, this woman sounds wicked, right? But then, like, I ultimately, it was like this manipulation that she was trying to get across. And then, Mina, we just prayed so much, right? We, there are times where Mina and I, we, we would pray, she would talk with me, and she's like, like, I need to talk with you, I need to vent some of these things out there, and we talk, and we weren't like bad-mouthing her, but we were just going against it in prayer, and prayer, and prayer, we tackled it in prayer, and then one day, Mina like, kind of like, confronted her, and then I think Mina got her a gift, Holy Spirit told her like, you know, like, get her like a gift card or something, and then they all, and all of a sudden, just things shifted out of nowhere, and then she was just like, none of that, like, like that fear and anxiety was, it was coming to her, and her, her, like, like she, it, like, it just radically changed. Remember? It was like, it was like a 180 degree turn, like, like overnight. Whoosh, right? Because she warfared against these things, these schemes of the devil, schemes of, that's what spiritual warfare is. Right? And we have to be on guard. We have to know that the devil, our adversary, is prowling around like a roaring lion. This is first, this is Peter, first Peter 5.8. Uh, the, the, our adversary is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Right? And so Peter tells us, be alert, be sober-minded, right? Be aware of these schemes of the enemy, right? Be aware when these things are coming against you, right? And Paul tells us to arm ourselves with the armor of God, the full armor of God, and he brings to light six parts of the soldier's armor and weapon from way back then, right? That, that we can we can attribute as key fundamental principles of God. Right? These are act basically six powers of God, attributes of God that Jesus and the gospel releases into our life. Right? He's saying like he and he kind of uses this lesson, and it's a great lesson for kids, right? Because you know, like you know, like I love teaching kids these things, like arm, put on the armor of God, and especially boys, they love it. Like oh, I get a sword, get a helmet, right? And this is Paul trying to teach the, the Ephesians, lead them, you know, with this understanding, right, of like this armor, like put it on. This is what's going to protect you against the schemes of the enemy, right? And so he goes through this list, and we're going to go through them one by one today. And the first thing he talks about is the belt of truth, right? You know, if you do some research, uh, you, 
they say that the Roman soldier would have put on his armor in the same order that Paul describes it here, right? And so the Roman soldier, when he was getting ready to go against, go into battle, the soldier would have to first put on his belt, right? But what Paul talks about here isn't necessarily like a belt that we, we wear today, right? Today I wear a belt, right, like this, right here. Black belt. Please don't look at me in case my zipper is open. I'm always terrified that I'll come up here and then my zipper will be down. So I'm always like, and before I come up, I always kind of check. Anyways, right, this is my belt. It keeps my pants from falling down, right? But back then, they didn't really, you know, I'm sure they had belts, but what they were, what Paul describes here isn't necessarily a noun, but it's a verb. It's basically, he says to having girded your loins with truth, right? And this is something, um, you know, the, the, the best translation, if you look at the original Greek, it basically isn't like put on a belt. It's like basically, it says having girded your loins with truth. Now, this could be a reference to Isaiah 11.5 where it says righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins, right? But girding your loins was what soldiers did back then because they wore tunics, right? They had pants, but it wasn't like readily available to everybody. You know, everybody basically wore these long tunics. You guys know. You guys have seen like Passion of the Christ. You guys, you guys seen. It's just, you know, it's, it's a long robe, right? Now they kind of wear them in, um, in India, like something like that. Like still, like in the Middle East, they still, they wear pants now, but back then it wasn't so much that like, you know, they, they wore these long tunics and when a soldier would go into battle, Right, they would gird their loins, meaning they would make these this big bow with their tunic, right, and then they would t- take it, tuck it underneath their legs, and they would make this big knot in in their in, in their loinal area. <laughs> I don't know the best way to describe it, right, <laughs> to kind of gird, like like keeps them from uh, like falling out because of their tunics, you know, like when they're running and whatever. So it kind of like puts everything into place, and this is what he's saying is like gird your loins with the truth, right. You know, and then sometimes they would have these, you know, metal or leather flaps that would come down. But it's 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 after having they had, they had girded their loins, right? And Paul tells us to gird our loins with the truth. We have to be ready with the truth. This is the first thing that a soldier did when they were preparing for war. They would gird their loins. They would get ready, right? And Paul's saying, get ready with the truth. The truth that God reveals. Through his word, the word, the truth of who he is, who Christ is, right? Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Also, we have to be ready with the truth of who we are in Christ. So we have to be ready with the truth of who Jesus is, and also who we are in Christ, right? And this truth needs to be more of a truth than all of the other truth that the world is trying to communicate into our minds and into our hearts. And this truth must be firmly in place in our lives, right? When the attacks come, the first things that we need to prepare ourselves is with the truth of God. Without truth, we're lost. And so Paul tells us to gird our loins with the truth of God. Not the truth based on what the world tells us. The world is constantly telling us what is true, right? And we see it all around us. And sometimes... There's a, a level of truth behind what the world is trying to tell us, but then there's also a lot of garbage out there that's trying to get into our hearts and in our minds saying, this is truth, right? And but, but, but God says, no, this is not truth. I am the truth in the way, the life, right? That's what Jesus tells us. And so this truth needs to be established in us. We need to be ready with the truth of God. 
Baptized us when we were first saved, that the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, came to remain in us and dwell in us. And He's constantly testifying about truth. He's constantly testifying about Jesus Christ. So we have to stand on the truth of God. And not only are we to know and understand the truth, we are called to speak the truth, to live a life of truth. You know, speak the truth always. Right? Speak truth in love. Live, live our lives in the truth. Because the truth protects us in the most vulnerable area of our spirituality, which is our flesh. Right? And this is kind of the imagery that Paul is trying to, 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 to give to, to the Ephesians here. Right? Our flesh is a vulnerable because the enemy pries on our flesh. Right? If we exp- like, we all have flesh, right? We're not talking about our natures, you know. No matter how, like, how, you know, like, you know, we we're saved. I told, I said that, like, our our simple nature is there, and it, it gets it gets sanctified to a place where eventually, when Jesus comes back, we'll stand before Him face to face, and He will be fully glorified in Christ Jesus. But but we're still in this process, and that and that flesh is still there somewhere within our spirit, man, right? And, and the thing is, the enemy loves it when we expose our flesh. When we expose just the, our fleshliness, right? It happened today when we were driving here. I have to confess, because Mina's laughing. But I was coming here and this person was doing some dumb things in the car and was blocking the road and I honked really loud and then, you know, like I almost ran over this, this bicycle guy and then Mina's like, Mina got really mad at me and she slapped me, right? And she's, and then basically she said, you're in the flesh, fool, right? And I was like, oh, I repent. I was like, you know. But like, we, sometimes we expose our flesh. And the devil loves when our flesh is exposed because he can, he can tempt us into a place where we start to like wallow in our flesh, right? We start to wallow in, the, in our sinful nature. And it's symbolic. Us protecting down there, right? This is, this is the part of our body that we don't want to expose to anybody else, right? Except our loved one. It's, it's, it's protecting us Ourselves from our flesh is a, is like a spiritual battle, right? So we have to gird our loins with the truth. We don't, ex- we don't want to expose our flesh. We want to be alive in the spirit which kills the flesh, which crucifies the flesh, right? And that comes through the truth of what, what who Christ is. When we're exposing our flesh to, to, for all to see, when we are constantly walking in, 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 in the flesh, right? We're, we're not going to be alive in the spirit. He, Paul talks about this in Galatians 5. It's like, 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 you know, like, when you're, when your spirit man is, when your spirit, when you're walking in the spirit, you're, you're, the, the flesh dies. When you're walking in the flesh, the spirit, like, decreases in your life, right? This, it's just a paraphrase of Galatians. And so when we're walking in the spirit of truth, when we're like allowing the truth of God to direct our lives, the truth of God to like tell us who we are and who God is, and we're constantly walking in that truth, right? It, 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 it guards our flesh, right? It protects us from exposing the, that part of our flesh that, that, that the enemy is going to come and try to tempt us with, right? Walking with Jesus sets us free from our fleshly nature. And this truth readies us. Right? When attacks come, 
And if you're not set in God's truth, right, we're going to start to look for all these other things that try to protect us and guide us and say like, oh, you know, like maybe, maybe, you know, like I, I can, I can raise some money. Maybe I can, you know, like do this and maybe I can get another job or maybe all these things. But, but when we, when we are set in the truth of God, the attacks may come, right? But our, our identity is established by what God says it is and who He is and who He is to us. So that, that that's the first thing is to guard our loins with the truth. And the second one is the breastplate of righteousness. And then Paul, he, he talks about this part of the armor that protects our heart and our lungs and all the vital organs, right? right the breastplate. In Paul's description of the armor, it comes together with the belt, right? So stand be, therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Because these two like pieces of armor kind of went hand in hand. And this metaphor goes hand in hand because the belt is needed to be firmly in place for the breastplate to be fastened. The breastplate would be placed on the chest, right? You would put it around on the chest and it would secure it to the belt. So it's not like all like, if this is my belt, it's not like all flapping around like this. It's like, it's secured on my chest, right? Protecting the part of my body that needs to be protected. And this, this understanding of righteousness right, is, is, is what Paul's saying protects us. The breastplate will be, will, will, he's saying is, is the righteousness, but whose righteousness is this? Is it our righteousness or is it the righteousness of Christ? And this understanding of righteousness that we have first comes from the truth that God speaks over us, right? But he's just saying, get the truth, right? Because the truth of who God is and the truth of who Jesus is will reveal to you His righteousness is imputed upon you. And that righteousness that is in Christ Jesus is going to protect you. Now righteousness isn't based on what we do. But the truth of what was done for us. And the righteousness that protects us from the works of the enemy isn't the righteousness that we can muster up for ourselves, right? But it's the righteousness of Christ. It's imputed upon us through the gospel. Our righteousness is trash. It really is. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And I know that this is a gross analogy, but that word filthy rags, right? right it basically is talking about like, you know, like, the, like a, a woman's monthly cycle, right? And then, and then the rag that is used to like clean that up, that's, that's what the, the biblical context of what that passage in the Bible is talking about. It's like, oh, righteousness is like filthy rags. It's basically is that, right? Oh, but it's, it's not our righteousness. Like, like the righteousness that Jesus says, like, put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. That righteousness has nothing to do with what we've done, but it has everything to do with what Jesus is. And that's why he can protect us. The breastplate of righteousness has the name of Jesus stamped on it and it's there to protect our hearts from the lies of the enemy. The enemy will lie about who we are, what we've done, the sins and the fleshly nature of our being. But Jesus places upon our chest His righteousness, which is stronger than any lie, any deception any of the enemy, any accusation of the enemy. And so he's saying, put on, gird your loins with the truth. Right? Establish yourself in the truth of God, right? Of who He is, of, of, of who you are in Him, right? 
and what what he has brought into your life, all right, and and then and stand upon that righteousness, which is which has nothing to do with what you bring to the picture, but has everything to do with what Jesus has done. It's his 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 work on the cross has imputed upon you the righteousness of Christ, and that righteousness will protect you. And the third thing he talks about is are the shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You know, the shoes of a soldier were very important. And if you look back in the, at the history of war, if you ever watch the History Channel and you look back at all of the, the, the history of war that has ever been fought, right, footwear was always very important. Footwear at times either like, like made or, or was the difference between like, you know, like, you know, winning a war and, and de- being defeated in war, right? Without proper shoes or footwear, we're not able to have a strong footing. Modern day soldiers wear combat boots, right? Paul, he's a soldier, he's a, he's a Air Force soldier, right? And so when he, when he has to, you know, go to battle, he'll wear combat boots, right? You know, they have the thick soles and the, you know, the leather and it protects their feet. But back then, right, they didn't have that. And, and what they had, they say that the Roman soldier probably had at this at this time had probably the most advanced like like shoe system because it actually had little spikes in the bottom for them to be able to take their stand, right? And and, and you guys have to understand war is all about um like it's all about like like territory, taking territory and, 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 and losing territory, right? And and the Bible tells us that we as soldiers we need to take a stand. We need to take our stand. And when Paul mentions this as our armor, he attributes to our footwear the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Right, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, the peace I give to you. Right? Not, as I, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not be, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives us a peace that truly gives us a firm foundation. It's a peace that the world can't give us. It's a peace that the world can't take from us. And it comes to the gospel. The message of the gospel about what Jesus has done and what, what has been done to us. Is, is, is what's gonna guard us, is the peace that's gonna guard us from the schemes of the enemy. The devil can't surprise you and sneak up on you because we have a peace that no matter what the devil tries to throw at us, no matter what the world tries to throw at us, we are victorious in Christ Jesus. No matter what schemes come against us, no matter what attacks come our way, we're able to stand firm and be ready because we have a peace that comes from what Jesus has done from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. You know, the gospel is that. It's peace in our lives. And we see it in the life of Jesus. Right? Remember when Jesus is on the boat? Right? They're on a ship. They're trying to go across. I don't know where they're going exactly, but you know, the, these disciples of Jesus, some of them were like, like serious fishermen, right? And if you're a fisherman in the Sea of Galilee, you're like, you're like a pretty like um, weathered fisherman, right? You know, like I don't know. The only image I get is the Gordon's fisherman. Remember, 
trusted Gord and fish, and he got the yellow coat, and he's on the boat, he's catching fish to making the fish sticks, you know. But those guys, I don't know if you ever seen those like those those the, the guys in those like shrimp boats or whatever, and they're like you know in the storm and they're still on the deck, you know, trying to bring in the nets. Right? These guys were like weathered fishermen, and yet these guys were terrified. Right? They were scared. So this was a huge storm. This was the storm that probably was like they saw it like, hey, this this can kill us, right? This storm can can seriously take us down, and they're all freaking out. And they go to Jesus, and what is he doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. Why? Because his peace was not dictated by what was happening around him. Right? His peace did not come from like what he saw in the natural. His peace came from his spirit man, the spirit of God that was within him. Although there was a storm on the outside, he had peace on the inside. And his peace dictated his disposition. And Jesus says, this is the peace that I give to you. Comes through the gospel of peace. Is that no matter what's happening around us in this world, right? We have a peace that Jesus gives us. You know, and, and Paul talks about it. It's like it's a peace that transcends the understanding of this world. Right? And we have to know that whatever situation that we're going through in our lives, we ha- we have shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, and that peace is able to help us to take our stand. To take our place in battle. Right? I'm teaching you guys, I'm preaching about spiritual warfare. I'm not talking about, we're not talking about spiritual rest here. Right? There's a time and a place for spiritual rest. But we're talking about spiritual warfare. And, and, and these weapons that Paul is talking about is like, hey, the things, the world may rage, right? The world may shake, right? There might be, you know, like crazy things happening around us. But if you, if you put your faith in Jesus and, and you have the gospel of peace, the peace that comes from the gospel of peace, right, there's nothing that's going to you know, take you off your footing. We are ready because of the gospel of peace. No matter what kind of terrain that we're standing on. That peace is what Jesus gives us through the gospel of Jesus, through his gospel. And then I want to give you another little a little lesson here is that if you ever feel not at peace, right? And I have seasons like this in my life where I just don't feel at peace. And God leads me to 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 seek out a fresh revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? And if you ever feel this way in your life, I want to give you this advice, right? If you ever feel not at peace, right? Whatever's happening around you, whatever, get a fresh revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because a lot of times, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you f- you feel like you've like you're past the gospel, right? Oh, I'm, I've already like, you know, I'm done with that class, right? I've already gotten past that, right? But you need to, if you go out and you you humble yourself and you get a fresh revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? God's going to start to establish that peace in your heart. It's the peace that comes from the gospel of peace. Right? Number four, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. A Roman soldier's shield would have been like a large rectangle, kind of like, have you ever seen a gladiator, right? Remember, you know, they would use those big shields and would come up from their chin to their knee and the soldier would position himself right. It would be able to cover most of his body. And Paul tells us to take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish 
all of the flaming darts of the evil one. We have to know our faith in God is a shield around us. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise Him. The shield of faith points to dependent living. Are you living dependent on God? Are you living dependent on your job? Are you living dependent on, 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 you know, like your, your, your money, on your circumstances? Because the shield of faith is about dependent living. Is he our strength and our refuge? Our faith in him? Is he the shield, is he the shield against the attacks of the enemy? Because our confidence is in God. So when the flaming darts of the enemy come, we can, we take up the shield of faith. We put our hope, our faith, and our unwavering dependence on God. We know that He is Lord over all and that He is in control. Right? And we put our faith on the fact that He is stronger, that He is greater, that He is bigger than any temptation and any circumstance, any attack, any obstacles that may come our way. We stand with our faith in God. Are you dependent on God? Because that is your shield of faith. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my rock and my, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Our faith protects us. It covers us. Because our faith is in the most powerful one that has ever and ever will exist in the universe. If he is for us, who can stand against us? Right? You know, there's, there's a power that comes from our faith. We have to understand that. And when we are able to truly put our faith in God, there's a power and a, and a, and a protection and a, and a level of grace that comes from our faith in, in, in Jesus Christ. So we, we take up the shield of faith. And then five, the helmet of salvation. The helmet was there to protect our face and our head. The Roman soldiers' helmets were considered the most advanced of its time because they had a chin strap, right? All of the helmets from before, they never thought about putting a chin strap. They actually had a chin strap, right? It last even today. I was watching football earlier. They all have a chin strap, right? Keeps their helmet on their head. And just like the heart and the vital organs are important from the breastplate of righteousness, is also very important to protect the head. And when Paul tells us to put on the helmet of salvation, he's referring to our minds and our thinking, our thought life. The helmet of salvation refers to our assurance of salvation. When we have the assurance, assurance of salvation, we are able to have a mind that is guarded against the works of the enemy. It protects our minds from fear. The enemy uses fear all the time against us. But when we know that we are saved, that the, that the love of God has saved and redeemed us from the pit, it, there's a, it, it guards against the attacks and the schemes of the enemy. When we are fully convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the, 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 the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights nor death, nor any other created things, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that becomes our mindset. It guards us 
against fear, against hopelessness, against anxiety, against the worries of this world, against worldliness, because we have a mind that is sure that there is a destiny that is greater than anything that the world can offer us. That's how, how we you see, read of those like Christians, Christian martyrs and Christian people that like live their lives in like such extraordinary ways. And you're like, man, how are they able to do that? How are they, how can they do that? It's because they have a they ha- they have this mindset. It's the helmet of salvation. They know that salvation is real and that they are saved and that there is a destiny that they have that is greater than anything that they can find in this world. You know, that we sing that song at times with death, where is your sting? I forget what that song is called. Right? The worst thing that can happen to us in this life, right? death, where is your sting, has no power over us. That is protection. That's the helmet of salvation. Right? And the assurance that we have in Christ that guards our mind. He gives us the mind of Christ. The one thing that the enemy will constantly be attacking is our assurance of salvation. Right? A lot of like young believers, when when people are first saved, right? And we would go to like church receipts and people receive Jesus Christ as our Lord. The first attack that that the enemy will throw at them is to to walk them off of their assurance of salvation. They'll start to question, like, hey, am I really saved? What, what is, is what happened to me at that time when I put my faith in Jesus? Was that real? I went through this so many times. I got saved like eight times, right? Every church retreat, I'm like, oh, I received Jesus Christ in my heart. I'll go home and I'll like feel good, and then, and then like I would mess up, and I feel like, oh, am I really saved? And I would get rocked in the assurance of my salva- uh, salvation. And then one year, I think like in my high school, like third year in high school or something, like God like hit me over the head with it so hard. I was like, oh, I'm saved. I had this assurance of salvation, right? and it got to the point where even if I ran from the Lord. That's what happened in my life. I remember I had this moment with God. I said, Jesus, I know you're real, but I want to do other things with my life. I knew Jesus was real, right? But I was also tempted by the things of the world, and I ran from God, right? I ran as far as I can from God, right? But he brought me right back to where, where the calling that he had for me in my life, right? That's the assurance of salvation. And it guards us and it protects us. That's our helmet. We have to put it on. It's one of the most important parts of, of, of what makes us believers. Are you, like, do you have an assurance of salvation? Are you working out your salvation with fear and trembling? Are you going deeper into the Word of God? Are you going deeper in your relationship with God? And lastly, we are given the one truly offensive weapon in our armor, and it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Romans didn't have a long sword. You remember... Like when you look at like um what's that movie Lord of the Rings they would have they all have these long swords right like the Knights of the Round Table Romans didn't have them they had a, sh- a short chubby double-edged sword it was about this long and it was it was like really strong and it was actually very light and it had two edges and it was one of the most advanced weapons at its time right it was deadly you could stab people you could you know like cut their heads off right and it was really quick. But the Bible tells us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
The Word of God is an offensive weapon and we have to battle with the Word of God. When the enemy attacks, we can't just defend. But we have to go on the offensive. We have to fight back. We have to fight back with the Word of God. So Jesus did. Jesus went into the wilderness and devil tried to tempt him, tried to get out of it. He's like, hey, right, I'm, I'm going to give you this offer, Jesus. And what does he do? He fights him off with what? The Word of God. Right? The sword of the Spirit is one that we use not just to fight the enemy, but also fight our flesh that is within us. It says, pierces our hearts and brings conviction. It reveals our sinful nature. The Holy Spirit leads us by His Word. He convicts us through His Word. And so we need the Word of God. We fight the devil and all of the demonic influence, and we fight our soulish nature, our sinful nature, with the Word of God, with the sword of the Spirit. That means we can't just have a have a Bible or just read the Bible, but we have to allow the Word of God to come alive in our hearts. We can't just know what the Word of God says, but we have to live it out and do what the Word of God says. James 1.22 Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, defe- deceiving yourself. We're not just supposed to have the sword of the Spirit in our belt, but we're supposed to use it. Right? We're supposed to wield it. And by doing what the Word of God says in our lives. The purpose of the Word of God isn't just for us to have it. Imagine this soldier. He has a great sword. It's like really sharp and it's really strong. It's just stuck in his belt. All these people are attacking him and they're just like, doesn't even take it out. He's just trying to hit him with karate chops or kick him or throw rocks at him. Right? And that's a lot of times that's what we do. Is like we, we know the Word of God. We even, like, we, we can, we can even, like, recite the Word of God. We can even read the Word of God. But it does nothing for us unless we live out the Word of God. That is one of the best attacks against the enemy. Do you know that? Do you know that one of the most, like, the greatest weapon against what, what Satan wants to do in your life, what the greatest weapon that you have against the, the schemes of the devil is to do what? Is to live out the Word of God in your life because the, the, the enemy can't do anything to stop you from doing that. Because when you start living at the Word of God, the, it's the best way to attack the enemy. For us to know the Word and do what it says. When we're living at the Word of God, the enemy has, has no power against us. I know a lot of people that, that, that know the Bible really well. Right? I, I, I would see people that are able to argue like for hours about what it says in this Bible and can recite like like long passages and then, but you look at their life and they're just not living out the Word of God. And you look at their lives and their lives may seem okay but it's all like, you know, I'm jacked up in the inside. But, but the nothing can, not, not, there's nothing that the enemy can do when you actually take in the Word of God and you start to live it out in your life. That scares the devil. You know that? And when the devil sees that, he's like, oh, oh man, I, I can't mess with Paul. He's living it out in his life. I want, I want to encourage you guys. Don't, don't make light of the Bible. Right? A lot of people, a lot of Christians, they, they make light of the Bible. They like, you know, like, oh, you know, it's all about worship. Worship is awesome. I'm not saying you're not supposed to worship, right? Or it's a prophetic ministry. Prophetic, oh, I'm all about the prophetic. No, the prophetic ministry is great. 
But the foundation of where all that starts is starts from the Word of God. We can never, we never graduate from this. So that's the AP, that's the six pieces of the armor of God, right? The, the, the gird our loins with the truth, right? Is the breastplate of righteousness, right? The shoes fitted with, with the gospel of peace, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is the helmet of salvation, right? Is the shield of faith. And it's, the, it's the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And lastly, Paul tells us that we have to actually put on this armor every, every day. Right? Meaning, it's not just automatically put on for us when we get saved. A lot of times we think that. We think, oh, like I got saved, so I guess it's, like, it's, like, it's a given, right? You, know, like, it, like you just get it and it's on you all the time. No. You have to consciously put it on yourself. You have to consciously be ready, and, and it has to be like a soldier, right? Now, one of the things that you learn in the in the army when I did army training here is like you can never lose your lose your gun, right? I remember we had this one guy who kept on misplacing his gun. He would always leave it in the bathroom, or like he would like ask somebody to to like, hey, can you watch this? And then he would go do something, and then the guy doesn't care. He just goes off. And he's like, where's your gun? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And he has to like run back to the other place and like pick it up, right? But that's not. We can't be like this with the with the armor of God. We have to. It's something that we have to consciously put on every day. Our righteousness does not come from what I do. It comes from the Lord. It comes from Jesus Christ. Right. My salvation. Right. Like I'm. I'm trembling. I like. I. I. I look and feel this assurance of my faith and an assurance of my salvation, that's what's going to protect you against the schemes of the enemy. We have to consciously put it on every day. Me and I went on a mission trip and, and it was in uh, Pattaya, India. Uh, not Pattaya, Pattaya, Thailand. They were they were going and trying to set like, you know, like people in human trafficking free, right? It was, it was just her, three girls went on this, like this, this crazy mission trip, right? She was like, she was like one of those like, 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 uh, I remember it was one of the craziest mission trips that we went. They went and they saw crazy miracles, signs and wonders. All of these things happened, but every day they made them put on the armor of the, the the armor of God. And before they started each day, they would pray it, and because they really needed it, right? When the time came for them to really like like depend on God to show up, they needed to have it on. And this is the readiness that Paul is talking about. The armor of God doesn't just come naturally, but it's something that we have to put on. Just like you put on your clothes every day. Just like you put on your underwear every day, right? You don't just, you won't wake up and naturally expect all your clothes to be on, right? You, you have to put it on. You have to put on your shoes, right? And Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. All of these aspects of God's power must be at work in our lives. And we place the armor of God on us, Paul tells us, what to do when we have the armor on? What does he tell us to do? And this is probably the most important part. Right? How do we battle spiritually? He tells us to what? Pray. How the saints war in the spirit is to pray. You put on the armor, right? And then you start to pray. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all pers- uh, perseverance, making supplication to all the saints. And also for me, that the word may be given to me in opening my mouth uh, boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Right? He tells us the key to spiritual warfare is prayer. 
We war spiritually through prayer, supplication, through intercession. But we pray with our armor on. You put on that armor, and what do you do? Do you just like, you know, you put on the armor and just watch Netflix? No, you put on that armor and then you pray. And, then, and so much, and then Paul is saying, this is so important that he's saying, if you have your armor on, he's like, pray for me, right? Because I need it. So I pray and make supplication, and he says to pray for me. He says, and also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Right? Paul's like, hey, if you have the armor on, right, and you're ready and you're good and you know what's going on, pray for me. Because I know that your prayers are going to be powerful. He knows that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Right? Brothers and sisters, spiritual warfare is real. And this year that's coming for in our lives, I'm not trying to scare you guys. I'm not trying to, you know, because the grace of God and the power of God is what spiritual warfare is about. It's not about you. It's not about you. You you walk it out, and you you you. you the faith is there for you to push through, but the power is all from the Lord. Spiritual warfare is real, and we got saved. We picked the fight with the devil. But we're not helpless. Right? We're not defenseless. Because we have an armor that God gives us. It's based on His power and His might. And it's, it's here for us to not just defend ourselves, but to wage war against the enemy. Right? We, you know, like, you know, like to, 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 to reach the gates of the enemy, right? Paul talks about that, right? We're we're supposed to wage war against the the, the works of the enemy so that we can actually reach the the gates of hell itself, right? To keep keep people from falling into temptation, to keep people from falling um, into hell, into death. We're supposed to wage war against the kingdom of Satan. But, But we don't do it, we don't do it like helplessly. We do it equipped with the ar- with the armor of God. God gives us everything that we need. And it comes from our the, the armor that we have in Christ Jesus. Now let's all stand up. Uh, I want to close our time today. I want to pray for you guys. You know, like some of you guys I know are it's the beginning of the year, and always the beginning of the year can be a little daunting. It can be a little challenging. For me, it's been a little challenging. You know, for for Mina as well, it's been it's been a little challenging. And 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 already, you know, Mina and I, we can we can feel that there's things that God wants us to break into. Right? There's things that there's there's faith that God wants us to have, and faith that God wants us to like. Just like, hey, I, I want you to break in. It's not going to be easy, but I want you to break into this, right? And I believe that God has, has, has plans like that for all of you guys, for many of you guys. God wants this year to be a, a year of faith and you breaking into, to what God has for you. But I want to, I want to encourage you guys. Along with that will come spiritual warfare. The enemy will not doesn't like it when you draw closer to Him. The enemy doesn't like it when you start to stand on the things of God. That's why we have to do this. That's why we have to put on the armor of God. 
We have to be established in the truths of God. We have to be established in His righteousness, in His salvation, in His gospel, in His peace, in the Word of God, through our faith. 